Blessed is the name of the Lord. It is great to see you and be with you on this glorious Sunday morning. Welcome to Worship at Schweitzer. I'm Pastor Jason. And wherever you're at in the world, we welcome you to worship. Today, we're going to continue to hear the stories of Abraham and Sarah and their faith, their trust in God, and to hear about the promise fulfilled. As we worship together today, you can let us know you're here by hitting the live chat. If you've got a prayer request, there's somebody in the prayer room to welcome you. Let's worship.
an act of worship. Prayer is a time where we share our hearts with God and, and if we're silent, if we listen, God will share his heart with us. The windows behind me reflect Jesus's I am statements that we find in the Gospel of John. So I'd like to invite us to pray through these windows today. The first window that I'd like to invite us to pray through is the window that says where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pause for a moment to hear what God might say to us through Jesus' comment, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, in this season of life, many of us are wondering what the way forward looks like. We trust that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Another window we want to look at is when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. In this season, when all kinds of people are wondering, not only is what is out in the future, but they're wondering, where is our bread going to come from? Our literal, physical bread. Hear Jesus' words again to us. I'm the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Lord Jesus, for all of the things that we're concerned about, all the questions about the future, and really about our whole sense of economy, we cry out to you today and we trust you to become the bread of life that we need. We give you thanks for all the ways that you supply our needs and so many of our wants. Help us rest in you. Another window like to invite us to pray through is the window of, of the vine and the branches. When Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, he says to them, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and I will abide in you. What does the Lord want us to hear from this picture today? Jesus, there are so many things that would take us away from abiding in you. And yet we know that in you there is life. And so those things um, that take us away, we confess them to you right now. And we do invite you to do your work of pruning in us. And we also invite you to graft us into your vine, into your life. And finally, the good shepherd window. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Many of us reflect on the Good Shepherd Psalm from Psalm 23, where we know that the Lord leads us. So today, how does the Lord want to remind us that He's the Good Shepherd? How does He want us, how does He want to shape our hearts and our minds?
Jesus, you say you're the good shepherd and that you'll lead us. We need people who follow after you and we want to be people who follow after you. So lead us, we pray. Lead us through the season that we're in. Help us to be people who who have our eyes fixed on you and our sense of confidence and hope and trust is in you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. And now let's join our voices together in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Giving is an act of worship. And so as we worship today, we want to encourage you to partake of that particular way of contributing to what God is up to in the world. You can go to our website, sumc.co slash give. And we want to thank you for your generosity. It is making a whole host of ministries possible in this time, in this place, and in our world. God bless you. Come now, fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by blaming tongues above. Praise the mountain fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming Safely to arrive at home Jesus saw me when a stranger Wandering from the fold of God He to rescue me from danger Interposed His precious Like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to Thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for Thy courts above.
This year at Schweitzer, we have a series called 52 Stories. People are sharing their stories of how God has impacted their world. He's touched them. He's spoken into their life. Today, we invite you to hear the story of Carrie Henry. I've been a member of Schweitzer for probably 23 years. Started here um, because of the MOPS program. Um, I have a special needs daughter and she was just so welcomed here and it was such a nice fit and Elizabeth, uh, Liz Craig um, was so amazing, love her. And because of her and the MOPS group, we started attending Schweitzer and have been here ever since. Um, my husband, Matt, was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer in the summer of 2017. And our whole life pretty much crashed at that moment. Um, he fought very hard for 18 months, but as a lot of you know, with pancreatic cancer, the odds are not good. And for us, uh, he didn't survive. He died January 2019. There were times that I didn't think I was going to make it. Numerous times through scripture, through other people, God spoke to me to give me strength through the whole thing. All this time in the past, the Lord took care of me. There were ways that He set this up for me to prepare me for what I was going to have to go through. It was as if He was saying, Carrie, you're, this is going to be really hard. I love you so much. I'm going to make this as easy as I can on you, but you're going to have to go through it. So I see all these steps He took to prepare me. So when there's a day, and I have a, a lot, that I am struggling, and I don't think I can go on, and I am filled with grief, I cling to that, I remember that, and I draw strength from that. Because if He has taken care of me up to this point, I don't need to be afraid of the future because He is going to be there for me in the future. He's not going to stop all of a sudden and just give up on me. He loves me so much that He's going to take care of me. I just need to believe. It may not be easy. It's not going to be an easy road, but um, it's going to be okay. My name is Carrie Henry, and this is just the beginning of my story. Well, friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. I'm the pastor. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 21. This is part six of a series we're on called Faith and Fear. We've been studying one of the most important men in history, and that's Abraham. And Abraham is a, is a hero of faith, and yet at the same time is somebody who struggles deeply with, with fear. And so through this series, we've seen Abraham uh, be at his best and make choices that are bold and faithful and inspiring kinds of decisions. And then we've also seen Abraham be at his worst, where uh, he lives in fear, makes choices out of fear, and ends up hurting people, putting himself first, running away from what God wants for him. And so we've been looking at this dynamic of faith and fear as we look through Abraham's life and, and asking ourselves this question, how do we become people who live by faith um, and, and, and not by fear. 
And when you look at Abraham's life, you really get a glimpse into what the nature of faith is because faith is not just that we believe in God or that we believe certain things about God. Faith is when we choose to trust God even when there's compelling reasons not to. Faith is, is when we put an, a willful choice in place to, to still trust God. And so we're, we're looking in this series of, of how do we become those kind of people who, who decide not just to believe in God or believe certain things about God, but decide to trust God um, no, no matter what our circumstances might look like. That's the kind of faith that, that we want to have, the kind of people that we want to be. So if you haven't been with us, um, let me catch you up real quick. We, we started in six weeks ago, Genesis chapter 12, and we first meet Abraham. And, and when we first meet Abraham, God uh, makes Abraham a promise. And the promise uh, goes uh, like this. God says to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. He says, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the first thing God speaks over Abraham and, and gives this, this blessing, this promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 when we first meet, meet him. And, and uh, with this blessing, it's understood that the way that Abraham is going to uh, become a great nation and bless the world is that these things are combined, that he's going to bless the world through this nation that he becomes. And, and ultimately, of course, this, this way Abraham blesses the world is through his descendant named, named Jesus. Now, now here's the catch. To, to become a great nation, you'd need descendants. And Abraham, he's 75 years old when God gives him this promise. And, and he and his, his wife, Sarah, she's about the same age. They're, they're childless and, and they are given this promise about becoming a great nation and, and they don't have any kids. And, and so they're left scratching their head and they're, they're thinking to themselves, doing the math. People our age don't have kids. And, and uh, they, they hear this promise. They see the reality of their lives and they're, they're left wondering, how in the world is God um, going to, to do this? How, how, does, how is this going to this is going to work. And so they're left, they're left waiting and they wait and they wait and they wait. Months go by, years go by, decades go by, and still no children um, has come. And yet God has promised them throughout this, this journey that, that there'd be um, this great nation that he would, uh, Abraham would have a son and that this is the way that God was going to bless the world. And so now we turn to Genesis chapter 21. We're going to read verses one through seven today. And Genesis 21, the unthinkable happens. Here's how it goes. It says, now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, which is just a great line to start off with. The Lord was gracious to Sarah. And then I want you to hear this next line. As he had said. So now the Lord was gracious to Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah, again, listen to this, what he had promised. So the Lord's gracious to Sarah as he had said, and he did for Sarah what he had promised. And then it says, Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. And then listen to this next line. At the very time God had promised him. I, I love that line there. At the very time God had promised him. When, when did Abraham uh, receive this, this promise from God? Right when God said he's going to do it. They've been waiting for 25 years at this point for the son to come. And, and when did God show up? Well, right when God said he was going to on, on God's time. Because the truth is that God's time is not the same as our time. And just because it's God's time doesn't mean it's the wrong time. So 25 years they've been waiting. Abraham's 100 years old at this point. Sarah's 90. The Lord has been gracious. And, and finally, as the Lord has said, as he has promised, at the very time God had promised him, um, Sarah has become pregnant. And then let's keep reading here. Verse 3 says, Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. And when his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So 75 years to a hundred years, 25 years, they've been waiting for this, for this son to come. And then verse, Sarah, or verse six says, Sarah said, 
God has brought me laughter. And everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. The name Isaac, by the way, the name of their son, he, it means he laughs in Hebrew. And, and here it is that, that Sarah is talking about this laughter that she has now. And then verse seven, I love verse seven, says, and she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And so here we have this miraculous a way that God has come through on the promise that he has given to Abraham and Sarah, this miraculous birth, this miraculous child, this way that God has, has come through. And, and, and you have here this um, incredible question in verse seven that grabs my attention and it makes me smile because I, I love this question that Sarah asks. I don't know if you caught it or not, but Sarah asks this question in, in verse seven. She says, um, who would have said that Abraham to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Who would have said who would have said that this was going to happen? This is the, the question she asks. And, and I love this question. I know it's a rhetorical question, but this question, who would have said, has such an obvious answer to it that um, I'm left kind of wondering how in the world did you miss this, Sarah? Who would have said that, that this was going to happen? Well, the Lord said it <laughs> a lot of times. In fact, I went through and I, I did a quick count. I just turned from Genesis 12 to Genesis 21, those, those chapters of the story so far. And I I did a quick count on, on all of the times that, that the Lord said to Abraham and Sarah that this was going to happen. And, and I counted, and I, again, I did this very quickly, so I might have missed some, but I counted, uh, I counted 12 times that the Lord said this to Abraham and Sarah, 12 times. It's once in chapter 12, twice in chapter 15, there's 16, there's a whole bunch of times in chapter 17, chapter 18 has a couple times. The Lord said this to Sarah and Abraham and said this to Sarah and Abraham and said it and said it and said it. And so she's asking this question, who would have said that this would have happened? Well, the Lord said it a whole bunch of times. 25 years you've been waiting, there's at least 12 times that the Lord says this to, to Abraham and Sarah. And, and, I, and I get why why Sarah asks this question, even though it's like got an obvious answer. I, I get why she asks this question because she's been waiting for 25 years for God's promise to come true. 25 years of hearing this promise and waiting. When is God going to come true on his promise? When is this gonna happen? And, and after 25 years, all of that waiting, it, it catches up to you. It catches up to you. And, and you begin to wonder, is this, is this really going to happen? And you, and you have to wonder, what would it have been like to be Abraham and Sarah? And for 25 years, have God say this promise to you over and over and over again and not see it come true and not see it happen? What would it have been like for, for two and a half decades to wonder, when is God going to do this? One Bible scholar commented on it, and I, I love this comment. He says this, he says, Abraham received repeated affirmation of this pledge, but experienced constant disappointment. I love that description. I think this is such a great way of understanding uh, how Abraham and Sarah must have felt, that, that they received repeated affirmation of the pledge, but experienced constant disappointment. Constant disappointment because, because God hasn't done what God said he was going to do. Constant disappointment. Have you ever noticed how there are some churches and some, some preachers who um, have this message about what faith is going to be like, and 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 they and they talk about faith in a way that that sounds like if you have faith, then all of your problems are going to go away, all of your problems are going to get better. Sometimes when we talk to non-believers about why they should believe, we we talk about faith in a way that 
that is going to solve all of their problems in their life if, if they just have faith. And so we have sometimes a message, some churches, some, some preachers, we have a message where, where it sounds like if you just have faith, if you just, if you just have faith in Jesus, your, your life is going to be solved. All the problems in your life are going to be solved. You're, you're going you're gonna to have joy and peace and you're going you're gonna to have hope that you wouldn't have otherwise had. You're, you're, your life is going to go better. You're, you're going to be happier. You're going you're to be better looking. You're going to drive a better car. You're, you're going to have a better looking spouse. Like, like everything's going to, you're going to lose weight. Like all these things happen. If you, if you just follow Jesus, all of your problems would go away. And, 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 and Jesus, it sounds like in some, in some churches and some preachers, it sounds like if you just follow Jesus, like, like this is a, a cure-all for, for all of your problems. I, I used to live in Tulsa. And when I lived there, I remember getting this mass mailer from this church in town. I don't want to say what church it was, but I got this mass mailer for this church in town that was doing their, their promoting their, promoting their uh, next sermon series. I don't remember what the sermon series was called, but I remember there was this tagline on, on the sermon series that, was, that said this, um, because Jesus is cheaper than counseling. And, and it caught my attention. I, I was like, well, well I, I guess I understand what, what they mean by that. Like, yeah, if you follow Jesus, you, you're going to find like joy and peace in ways that you're never going to find anywhere else in life. And if you follow Jesus and, and do what he says, and you live by like forgiveness and generosity and love as the cornerstones of your life, certainly life is going to go better for you. Your relationships are going to go better for you. Like that's, 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 that's definitely true, but, but, the, but the life of faith is, is not just like this straight line where everything just gets better and better and better and better. Like, yes, Jesus has the power to change our life. And yes, when we have faith in Jesus, we're, we're going to have glory in our, in our lives, you know, as we, as we go to live with him and, and experience resurrection and the hope that comes with knowing him. But, but you know what? Sometimes you, you, you have faith and, and sometimes your prayers still don't get answered. Sometimes you have faith and, and sometimes you, you still stay stuck with some of those same circumstances. Sometimes you have faith and, and sometimes your marriage still stays broken. Sometimes you have faith and sometimes your body still doesn't get well. Sometimes you have faith and, 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 and sometimes you lose your job. Sometimes you have faith and, and sometimes you get furloughed. Sometimes you have faith and, and you end up isolated from others during coronavirus crises. Sometimes you have faith and and it still doesn't work the way that you want it to work. Like the life of faith is not this straight line that is always going up and to the right. Sometimes, sometimes the life of faith is, is that you take steps forwards and, and steps backwards and, and you take missteps and sidesteps and, and things don't work in the way that you always, you always think they're going to work because just because you have faith, it, it doesn't mean that everything is gonna come together in the way that you want it to come together when you want it to come together. This is, this is not what it, what it means to have faith. And sometimes when you have faith, you still find yourself living within seasons of, of disappointment. And this is something that people who learn to live by faith and not by fear, this is something that, that people know who live by faith, that, that sometimes there will, be, there will be whole seasons of life where I'm holding on to faith and I'm living within this tension of disappointment. That, that sometimes this is what it looks like. And, and there's something actually very profoundly biblical about those seasons. After all, I think about people like Abraham, who had this promise from God and then had to wait 25 years for it to come true. Or I think about the people of Israel who, who cry out to God for a deliverer from slavery and they have to wait 400 years before God sends Moses. Or, or I think about Jesus who, as he comes in the flesh and is born among us and lives, he's crucified on a cross. 
Or, or I think about some of his followers like Paul who's beheaded or Peter who ends up crucified or John who will spend the um, last part of his life exiled on an island. Like these are not people who it all just worked out perfectly well for them. These are not people who, who just went in a perfectly straight line where Jesus fixed all of, all of their, their problems. There, there is a sense of, of, of almost disappointment that comes with this where they're holding on to faith and they're living within this, this sense of, of waiting for God to do what God needs to do. This, this is what people who learn to live by faith and not by fear know, is that there will be seasons, there will be times where, where this is what life looks like. And this is something we see really throughout the Bible. I think about the Psalms, for instance, the largest book of the Bible. The Psalms have verses like this in them. This is Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And the psalm goes on and on and on about, about what God does. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul and so on. You know the words of Psalm 23. And there's definitely promises like this that we see in the psalms of what God is going to do in our lives. But then there's also verses like this. This is Psalm 22, the one right before this, where it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? So far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish. And that psalm goes on and on and on about, God, where are you? Where are you in the midst of this? Where are you in, the, in, in my life? God, God, what, what are you doing? This, this is how it is. In fact, um, out of the psalms, this is the largest book of the Bible. There's 150 of them. And, and a, over a third of the psalms are classified as psalms of lament, psalms of, of complaint, psalms of, of life not going the way that I, I want it to go. This is, this is what it is. And you, you have to wonder with, with that many psalms, that many prayers and worship songs, that's what the psalms are, um, describing lament and complaint. What does that say about what the life of faith is like sometimes? Is it, is it always mountaintops and victories and, and, and easy times? Or, or, or is it always Jesus fixing all of my problems right away? Or or, or is it about something, something maybe, maybe deeper than that? Or, or think about this. Um, most scholars would say that while Genesis is the first book in the Bible, it was probably not the first book in the Bible that was actually written. And, and most scholars believe that the first book in the Bible that was actually written was, was Job. And, and Job is a, is a story about how life just went terribly wrong. And Job hangs on to faith in the midst of that. It's, it's, it starts and ends with with a tragedy, God, God starts tragedy, ends with God showing up. And in the middle of it is 34 chapters of Job's friends giving him just terrible advice. And, and, and it makes me wonder, what does that say about the life of faith if the first scripture that was written was about disappointment and struggle and pain? What does it say about what life is like and what, what faith is like, what the life of faith is like? Th this is important because what happens if we are fed a steady diet of Jesus is gonna fix all of your problems if only you have faith, you're, you're not gonna struggle anymore, everything is gonna go perfectly well for you. What, what happens if, if, this is, if this is the diet we're, 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 we're fed? What happens to our prayer life, for instance, if, if well, we're fed a steady diet of if you just have faith, everything's gonna work out exactly how you need it to work out? What happens to our prayer life if we start to pray for things and we don't see those answered? What happens to our, our faith when, when we start to have scary moments and we lose our jobs or, or there's, there's viruses that outbreak? What happens to our faith when, when there's not quick answers to these problems? What, what happens is that, is that many people will end up walking away because, because they don't realize that, that to live by faith requires um, something deeper than that. Uh, a few years ago, I was having lunch with, with a guy in my church. He, he was in his 20s, late 20s, early 30s. And, and he wanted to get lunch with me because he wanted to talk about his, his career. He was he was really frustrated with his job. He was a CPA and, and he had bounced around a few different jobs in a few different cities. And, 
And so he landed in our church and wanted to get launched. And he was telling me that, that he was thinking about quitting his job, which he had done for a few other times before this. And he was going to go off and, and join some organization that, that does mission work in, in other countries and spend a couple years doing this kind of mission work. And I, I heard him say this. I was like, wow, that, that's, like, that's, that's amazing. You're, you're willing to just uproot your life and, and go do this kind of thing and, and, and leave behind what you know and just, just go follow God in this really bold and dramatic way. But I said, so you, you say you're frustrated with your job. Like he, he, I said, why? Is, is it that you don't like numbers? I mean, what is it about your, your job that you don't like? And he said, I said, I just, I feel like I'm, I'm not fulfilled in the way that I should be as a Christian. And I thought that, that's an interesting statement. So let's, let's back that up a little bit. I said, let's think more deeply about, you know, about why it is you want to you quit your job and run off and go do mission work for a few years, which is an admirable thing to do, but let's make sure you're not running away from something else. And so I said to him, I said, what, well, tell me about your, your life now. Like, like the things that you would do as a missionary, you'd share your faith, you, you'd serve people who are in need. Do you, do you do that now? Do you volunteer anywhere? Are you, are you doing those kinds of things now? And he said, well, not, not really. And I said, well, okay, let, let's back that up a little bit more. Let's talk about just like common disciplines that Christians have. Do you tithe? Do you, do you, are you in a small group? Are you um, reading your Bible? Are you, uh, are you praying on a regular basis? And he goes, well, not, not really. And I said, well, well, why not? And he said, well, I, you know, I tried to do those things. I tried to read my Bible. I tried to, tried to do like a, a prayer time every day. And I said, really? Well, well, well why didn't you stick with it? And he goes, well, I tried it, but it, it just didn't last for me. And I said, well, well, how long did you try it? And he said, I don't know, two weeks or so. Like, this is what happens when we're fed a steady diet of, if you just have faith, automatically you're going to be fulfilled. If you just have faith, all of a sudden, Jesus is going to fix all your problems. If you just have faith, then, then everything's going to work out exactly how you think it's going to work out. You're going to open your Bible, and every day there's going to be the clouds are parting, and there's going to be rays of sunshine exactly lighting on what it is that God wants you to read that day. Or if you just have faith, every time you pray, you're just going to um, pray for these miraculous things that's going to happen. Or if you just have faith that every time you go to church, you're going to have this incredible experience with the Lord. Like, like this, is, this is not what it is. The life of faith is, is not just steps forward every time. It's steps forwards and backwards and sidesteps and missteps. And, and it's, it's, it's continuing to go on even when it gets difficult, which is why one of the key words that writers of the Bible use to describe the life of faith is this. Perseverance. 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 One of the greatest definitions of, of, of faith we see and, and a great example of perseverance in the Bible um, comes from Hebrews chapter 11. And we're doing this series, like this is part six of a series on faith, and it's kind of striking that I haven't been to Hebrews 11 yet, but we need to go to Hebrews 11, because Hebrews 11 is some of the clearest teaching about what the life of faith looks like. It starts off, Hebrews 11 starts off with a definition of faith, that you won't find a clear definition of faith in the Bible. And here's the definition of faith that the Bible gives us. Hebrews 11, verse one, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, I want you to notice it doesn't say that faith is when we believe in God, nor is faith when we believe certain things about God. It's confidence and assurance in what we hope for and what we do not see. It's, it's what we don't yet have. Faith is hoping for what we don't yet have. The chapter goes on and it describes person after person after person who, who lives this kind of faith. We read it just as, as you get going in this, you read about Abel, you read about Enoch, you read about Noah, and then in verse 8, you get to Abraham. And I want to read to you what Hebrews 11, this great, great teaching on, on faith says about Abraham. Verse eight says this, it says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his, 
inheritance. Obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. This is the story from Genesis 12 that we started with um, six weeks ago. Skip down to verse 11. It says, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and as countless as the sand on the seashore. And then verse 13, you need to hear verse 13. It says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. And remember, faith is this belief in what I don't yet have. And so when they died, they're still living by this hope in what I don't have. So they're still living by faith in what they, what they, when they died. And then it says, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, it says, from a distance admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. And then it keeps going on with more examples of people who lived this kind of faith, um, Moses and Joshua, David and Ruth and others. And then finally, um, Hebrews 11 concludes this thought about faith. And it, and it says this, this very famous verse. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, these, these people who lived this kind of persevering faith, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us, it says, run with perseverance. Hear that. Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition, opposition from sinners so you will not grow weary and lose heart. People who live by faith and not by fear they know that the life of faith is one of perseverance. That sometimes you're going to find yourself in seasons where the most faithful thing you can do is that you don't give up. You keep holding on. And, and the circumstances may not be changing. There may not be relief in sight. There, there may not be any light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. But people who live by faith instead of by fear, they know that even in those moments, they have to persevere. They have to run with perseverance and they have to hang on. And so I know that today there is going to be some of you who are watching this who, who know what that feels like because you're living in that, in that gap between having faith and hanging on and understanding that your, your circumstances of life that they are not encouraging right now. And you're wondering, why is God not doing anything about this? There, there's scary things that maybe you're facing. There's disappointment that you're, you're facing. Maybe you've been asking God and praying for God uh, about someone and you're waiting for, for God to move in someone's life. Uh, maybe maybe you're, you've got circumstances you've been praying for for a long time and you're wondering, when is God gonna do something about this? Maybe you've been praying for direction in your life and, and you haven't found God to give that to you yet. I just wanna give you some simple pastoral advice this morning. Don't give up. Hang on. Don't look for answers somewhere else. Don't think that just because you have faith, it's going to be easy. It's going to be a straight line all the time. But do know and be encouraged that God is with you in absolutely everything. And in his time may not be your time, but because it's your time, doesn't, his time doesn't mean it's the wrong time. His time is the right time. You can trust him in everything that you have in your life, but just hang on. Run with perseverance. Hang on to him. Let him give you and sustain you in the way that you need. As we close today, what I want to do is I want to pray for anybody who might be watching this and, and, and is in that moment and, and in need of encouragement and, and in need of 
the, the strength to persevere through maybe some challenging times. I just want to pray for you today. And, and if you need prayer for anything specific um, and you're watching this live, we have people who, who want to pray with you. You can, you can tap on the prayer button as you go through this. But I want to pray with you today. And, and if this is you, we want to pray a special uh, strength and courage and, and perseverance that God wants to give you today. Let's pray together. And so, Father, um, we look at Abraham's life and we see him waiting 25 years for your promise to come true. Even though it's just as you said it would, 25 years of waiting is, is difficult and it's hard to wrap our minds around. And there are some of us here watching this today who know what it feels like to wait, who know what it feels like to wonder, who know what it feels like to be discouraged, who know what it feels like to, to wonder if you're gonna do anything about, about our, our problems. And so God, we, we're not looking for quick fixes. We wanna have faith in the midst of, of our, our real life and what you can really do for us. So I wanna pray today for anyone who is struggling with wondering where are you in their life? May today be a, a, a time for them to be encouraged that what you're looking for is for us to persevere that we need to hold on and hang on because, because you are able to work on our lives. Would you give us strength? Would you give us courage? Would you help us to live into this faith that is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see, this, this faith that, that, that is not easy, and yet is this, this faith that is incredibly biblical, where we live in this tension between hanging on to the promises of God and understanding that our circumstances right now don't match those promises. Help us to live in this tension and in that to persevere with what you have for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you that you are good and that you love us and you want for us blessing and goodness in our lives. So God, today we, we turn to you, we put our trust in you and we thank you for your son, our savior. In his name we pray, amen. Oh, 
It's been so good to share this time with you today. Um, if this has been helpful for you, I encourage you to share this. Uh, you can do this on Facebook. Send this link to somebody that you know who might need to hear the good news of Jesus and, and be encouraged with, with a, a word of faith. We're going to continue this series next week, and so I can't wait to share um, this with you next Sunday at 9 o'clock.